and welcome to the last Jedi episode, which is uh, maybe the whole reason that this podcast exists, because for the last few years, I've been joining up with Rob Mitchelson, who is here in studio today. Hello. And talking about Star Wars films and having uh, nowhere to put them. So we uh, we now have a podcast feed to inject them straight into and, and send them out to you. And uh, people have been forewarned that there'll be Star Wars content instead of on my uh camera podcast. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I think it's appropriate. I should also forewarn you that this is all spoilers and assuming you have seen The Last Jedi, I don't know why you'd be seeking out a podcast if you hadn't, but um, yeah, we're going to talk about every little detail of this movie. What did you know going into this film? Okay, so I was really careful. I And actually, I took a cue from you last time because you shut down your social media, basically, in the lead up to uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, Force, I re-listened to our episode because because we recorded that two years ago, but I just released it. So most people heard it two days ago. So it's fresh in their minds and not as fresh in ours, but. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like we, you had to really, you had to really be quite careful. And, uh, I did a few things like I unfollowed the star Wars official Instagram site Mm -hmm. and I, I don't think I was ever following them on Twitter, but I was glad that I did because it was probably about August that Porg started showing up and I was like, oh man, I got to not know anything more. I didn't even want to know what a Porg was. Was that, that was the first thing? Yeah, it was Porgs. I actually saw screenshots of them without knowing it was a Star Wars thing. Like I saw some just meme images floating around, but there was no connection to it. So it was after I saw the movie, I'm like, oh, those are those little things I've been seeing. So you even actually managed to avoid contextualization for those little dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I think I did really well. I similar to last year, I uh, or last time, I deleted Twitter this time entirely because it just does have spoilers. And I've started to my opinion of what a spoiler is is not even as specifically about plot points anymore. Like mm-hmm. unless there's a big turn, like I don't want to know about the surprise. But after a surprise, the biggest spoiler is actually just people's impressions people going into it being like, you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. Yeah. And that's funny too, because I I always go into these things with an attitude like, I, I'm going to enjoy this no matter what. And, you know, I think practically speaking, the two of us are a little bit more like, yeah, you know, we can see, we can see issues. But I, I um, was, I definitely felt the same way as you did. Like on Facebook, people were the, the, my friends that got to the movie first were like, Oh, I don't know. And I was like, ah, don't even, don't even tell me you don't know. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't, I didn't even want to know that, that simple fact of an well, impression. Well, that's the thing. People that haven't seen the movie aren't going to give you a cookie and be so impressed by the way you cleverly didn't spoil the, like uh, by, by, by using, uh, you know, a certain turn of phrase that you thought didn't spoil it, but now it's stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that did happen is somebody direct messaged me a, a spoiler on Twitter before I had deleted it. And this is what led to me deleting oh, it. Oh, frustrating. And then, but it turned out not to be, it turned out just to be some kind of random troll joking around, but still I spent the whole movie thinking about that thing that he said. And, uh, you know, fortunately it didn't really matter, but the less I think about star Wars movies before they come out, the more I enjoy them. Yeah. That actually, that, uh, holds true for me as well. I mean, I don't have to, I don't have any sort of presuppositions about what I'm about to see. And even in, in terms of like expectations, it's not that I set my expectations low or high. I just try not to expect, I, you know, just let it come and then, you know, enjoy it when it does. Yeah. And we've talked about this a lot. And I guess for fans of your new Stallman podcast, as opposed to your old cameras or whatever <laughs> bonus episode podcast, <laughs> yeah. we've, we've talked a lot about how when we saw these films, when we were younger, when we were kids, they were kind of seminal for how we thought about them, but also 
how we discerned them at the time, I think is a little bit different mm-hmm. too. So for me, there's something about suspending my disbelief, but also going in with like the expectations that I would have had as like a 10 year old. Right. You know, I'm like, oh man, I really hope this fulfills my 10 year old expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, this film did. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, yeah, a 10 year old me is happy with that. Yeah. I mean, my overall feelings about this film mm-hmm. are that I kind of have two perspectives that I think I'm going to be able to speak from for the whole thing. In, in my first viewing, I just loved it as it was going. I just didn't have problems with it. I was really loving every single moment of it, walked out of the theater and had a feeling of this might be my favorite Star Wars film at right. this point. And immediately after I could kind of look back and there are more things that I can pick apart. There are, from a critical perspective, there are problems with this movie for sure. They just didn't hurt the viewing experience, which is kind of the most important thing. Like the sitting in the theater during the film is, I think, more important than how I can analyze it afterwards. Yeah. And I feel very, very much the same way. Like I've, I've, there are looking back on it critically, I'm like, okay, yeah, there, there's, there's things I would change. There's things I could tighten up, but also I got the experience I wanted. Yeah. I sat there in the theater, a fun adventure happened. I felt pleased and I was totally satisfied. So I know like there's, there's gotta be like all kinds of people out there who are just like, what are you talking about? This movie was brutal. Let's 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 fill out that survey. (laughs) There's a petition. Yeah. There's petition. There's dozens of petitions to basically revoke the movie that that it existed. And nobody's launched a petition to deal with this for like for the prequel films, (laughs) which. And so we should touch on that a bit. I, I don't know how much we can dive into it because we're not great voices for the, the counter reaction, but that there has been a stronger than usual negative reaction to this movie. Yeah. And I think I can speak to a lot of it. For me, the, the negative stuff seems to be coming from two points of view. Uh, the, the first is that they were surprised by narrative choices. And um, I can see where you might make that argument. Like, oh, why did we concentrate on this character? Or why did we introduce that character or any of that kind of stuff? And I can... I can see where they're coming from. But the other point of view, I, I find a bit sort of um, thinky opposite where like the people are like, well, Force Awakens was too derivative and too similar to Star Wars. And so I expect this film to be totally different. But then also they went into it saying like, well, there was lots of things that were like too different. So now I'm dissatisfied. And I think I sent you that that meme with yeah, Goldilocks, like she didn't like the prequels and she didn't like Force Awakens. And now this film's a little of both and mm-hmm. it's not good either. And that effort to impress your 10 year old self or re-identify with it is kind of impossible because a lot of why you enjoy things so much as a kid is because the whole world is new to you. Literally everything that happens to you every day is a totally new experience. Mm -hmm. So whatever the, the first time you get a certain type of experience, whether that's the prequels, if you grew up in the nineties or the original films, it's that first impact of something epic and amazing it's new to you. So that's what the experience is more than what the film really was. That's why bad eighties films still resonate with us because we were kids. Yeah. We're kids. Like I wasn't like, I still think the explorers was a really neat film, Mm -hmm. even though as I recall, he created a computer generated. Do you remember how computers were magic in the eighties? Yeah. Yeah. They've they've gotten so much worse since then. Oh yeah, totally. Like he used to be able to make a sphere that would support life in outer space. And then, but yeah, now we have the last Jedi. And I have notes here that I want to kind of go through, but just to make sure we touch on some of the most important things. And let's kind of go through the overall plot a little bit first. We have that splitting of Mm storylines similar to what happened with the Empire Strikes Back. 
Yep. In that basically that's what we think this movie is starting to be at the beginning. We're like, oh, okay, we just relived a new hope. Now we're about to relive Empire Strikes Back because some of the things are setting up for it a little bit. Yeah. And we're already walking that line. As soon as the film begins, we're hearing that the resistance or now mostly the rebels during this film. I, I, I didn't track the language very well. You know what? So, it's yeah. funny because it was like resistance, resistance, resistance. And then it was like, there's a lot of more rebel scum. And then they're just basically rebels yeah, again. Right. Um, but yeah, so right off the top, we get even in the crawl, we get this thing where it's like, oh, well, the resistance has just managed to destroy the First Order's circular base. But now they're on the run because the resistance is pretty grumpy about it, which, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's fair. Being a little upset about blowing up circular base, which was a bigger Death Star. <laughs> Which, again, like, there's your criticism from the first film was that, like, it was just a bigger desktop. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it still had those – it still felt right to me to bring me back into that world. Mm-hmm. So, again, starting us off in this place where we're on the run seemed fine to me as well. Right. And then the other parallel is Ray's training story, which feels like it's going to be Luke's all over again. Luke becoming the Yoda. And the biggest theme of this movie to me – is, and I'll probably use this word dozens of times, is just like subversion of mm. expectations. They set you up to expect something and totally psych you out over and over and over again. And I, I could also see why that would be frustrating to some people. But for me, it was so effective. Yeah. I really, really liked it. And it's even that now The Force Awakens was setting up for some surprises in this movie. Like everything was just like, look, we're going to just turn it on you. You think you know what's happening and we're going to spin it around. Yeah. Had Ryan Johnson delivered the Empire Strikes Back exactly where Ray gets training from uh, Luke and then goes off to make progress towards confronting Snoke, Mm -hmm. then I would have felt like, okay, well, then why did we bother making this film? I've seen Empire Strikes Back. It was wonderful. And I love Star Wars New Hope. And I was happy to see Force Awakens bring the franchise back and see it in Disney's hands and Mm -hmm. seeing them treating carefully. But like, I didn't need to go through it all again. And so when those, when those, when those moments were coming, I was like, oh, this is really, this is kind of refreshing because I, I'm not 100% sure where we're going to go with mm-hmm. it. And I think, you know, again, despite all the criticism, I think Ryan Johnson was sort of in a, between a rock and a hard place. He had to satisfy fans' expectations and fulfill sort of like a, a plausible kind of hero's journey, but he also had to do something fresh and different. Mm-hmm. So I was really thrilled to see like, uh, so, so big spoiler, like, is perfect. There's the, there's a throne room type return of the Jedi scene that's happening on Snoke's ship. You're expecting it to play out very similarly. Like very similar. It was set up almost exactly the same way. Yeah. Let, let's get to it. Let's go more into detail once we get to it. Cause then, okay, sounds good. then it won't be a sidetrack. What did you feel? How did you feel with that first moment of Luke throwing the lightsaber away at the beginning? Cause that's the first time you're like, wait, they're they're, they're messing with me it's true yeah and i kind of felt like one of those moments where they're like well what are we going to do to make luke's character feel familiar but also feel like he's he's changed a bit Mm -hmm. and so that moment where he he just tosses the lightsaber aside i was just like oh okay this little tip of the hat to fans to say all right what you thought was going to happen needs to not happen for a while and i kind of thought yeah okay i'm prepared now i'm prepared for a change of pace what i really want to know about it is Obviously, there were totally different writers doing this. You know, Ryan wrote this film along with Carrie Fisher, I think, helped on this script doctoring a lot. And then previously, it was Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Uh, Abrams. J. J. Abrams. Yeah. I want to know if they coordinated that moment because J.J. was setting 
it was such a big setup at the mm-hmm. end of the force awakens to have the helicopter shot going around. Like it was, they, la- they lasted so long on, on setting up this lightsaber pass off. And R- Ryan Johnson took that moment and flipped it, turned it into a comedy instead of being epic. And was that planned between them? And was JJ okay, comfortable with that? Or was he like, what I was expecting was this to be that epic moment. Just, I wonder how that interaction worked because like, I I know that obviously each writer can move each film in the direction they want to, but that connecting moment that brings the two together, how does that work? It's funny. I actually had a conversation recently about, um, uh, this, uh, this kind of writing where it, it is like serial narrative writing, like where you, you get to a problem and then you leave the episode and you say, well, writers will figure it out next week. And so, uh, you know, to J.J. Abrams credit or not, he and Damon Lindelof put together the threads of Lost. Mm -hmm. And then when Lost ended, a lot of people were like, well, that doesn't tie up all the loose ends for me. Because the job of a good serial narrative writer is not to answer all your questions. It's just to come up with new or better questions to keep you intrigued week to week. So it does kind of become a bit soap operatic. So Luke, J.J. Abrams presented a problem to Ryan Johnson. He's like, Ray's there. She's holding the lightsaber out. She's ready to become a Jedi. Good luck. Uh, I'm on vacation. I, I <laughs> yeah, honestly yeah, yeah, yeah. think probably J.J. Abrams had very little to do with that conversation. Yeah. Other than they went back to the set and then it's, and it's then Ryan Johnson's like, okay. It's such a different storytelling than what happened in the first three original films. Mm-hmm. Because I, and I think a big problem with those films is that they weren't planned out properly. I think the first, I, I mentioned this before, but the first uh, A New Hope really stands on its own. It can be a complete film and it was more or less resolved. And I think they kind of had to retcon a lot of the new problems into it. I don't think it was obvious that Darth Vader was going to be Luke's father. Like they, they didn't set up for things that could have paid off better if there was more planning. Yeah. And I think that, that you know, like we've all heard that George Lucas was worried that he was never going to be able to tell the sort of the broader complete story. And so he jammed it all into a new hope with the thought that this might be the only shot he's got at it. Mm-hmm. So, and then when it was successful, he was like, oh, I guess we'll go death star. Two. <laughs> right. Yeah. Death star two. Let's do it again. Yeah. But now we, we live in a universe where in a universe in, <laughs> in an earth where plots are much more planned out, like looking at the difference between say lost or I, th- I didn't watch lost. So I think about Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm where it starts to just go on and on. And the, and the writers might have, they may have come up with an original setup and what they want the ending to be, but everything in there is totally flexible. Also Walking Dead, which, you know, watching it right now has this feeling of a lack of real direction season to season. They don't know how many seasons there will ever be mm-hmm. comparing all this to Game of Thrones, where it's like, we know the beginning, the middle and the end and how long we're going to, what the pacing yeah. will be. And to be, to be fair too, you can see which episodes are filler as well. Right. Like there are moments where you're like, yeah, we could have, we covered this a couple exactly, seasons yeah. ago. We were fine. And that's the, th- that's the key thing I think is the pacing. It's like hmm. you, you might know the beginning and end that you, of the story you want to tell, but it's so much more effective when you have more of those steps, pl- the more of those steps you have plotted out the more complete and satisfying the story can be in the end. I'm sure you lose out on some things like you can't improvise to fan reactions, you know, but it gives so much more of a cohesive storytelling structure by the end. So I've been enjoying that a lot more about this new set of films. Now that we have two of them to compare that clearly there is more of a feeling of like, there is 
that serialized improvisation happening. And there is that overall guidance coming from Disney. I, I don't remember the people's names, but there's that small little team of people that are just in yeah, charge I mean, of JJ Abrams is still producing. Kathleen Kennedy's like, you know, running the show. Yeah. It, so. it, Kathleen Kennedy, is she the one that I'm thinking of that is kind of in charge of the universe? Yeah. She's basically yeah. like she, she is Lucasfilm now as it belongs to right. Disney. So, yeah. I, I mean, and I think she she obviously has a lot of sense of what she wants. You know, I mean, like in, during the intervening time since we recorded the original podcast and now we, mm-hmm. we had the Han Solo film get the directors fired and then replaced with Ron yeah, Howard, wow, which yeah. is pretty interesting. And then like, so it's uh, it's going to be a it's going to be interesting to see how how that looks. But it's clear that Lucasfilm under the sort of guidance of Kathleen Kennedy, she has something that she wants and she has a sense of how she needs to deliver it. Mm-hmm. Now, it'll be interesting to see if that changes at all because they had super high confidence in Ryan Johnson and people have obviously been, you know, stressed out about it and are expressing all these concerns, but I feel like we're getting off track from this. Oh yes, we are. We are. <laughs> but okay. but I still want to say what thinks about it that I think it's really interesting this whole like that they saw screenings of Ryan Johnson's film and were confident enough to hand him another trilogy. Like that story is just so strange. Like the biggest media company now the definitely the biggest media company in the world is from one screening of, of a film was like, yeah, we're willing to hand it all over to you before we see box office returns and before we hear the critics respond. And, and, um, I, I'm okay with it. I think he did a really great job. He's an amazing filmmaker and he's, he's, he's going to do good things. I thought it was a really fun film. And again, you know, there's this, were there narrative changes that you could have made? Yes. But he also did some things that I really liked. I liked that once things got going, there was a limited time span, like that sort of like ticking timer sensation Mm -hmm. of the narrative that really kind of push things for me. It worked for me. Well, so that ties into our next storyline to go over, which is Finn, Rose, and Poe and other people. But, you know, they're kind of at the center of it and they go off on their own adventure to, what are they doing again? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so in our A plot, which we just touched on when, when Ray hands off the lightsaber, Luke, uh, Luke throws it away and then he doesn't want to be a Jedi master. Now, do we want to loop back to this? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll loop back to whatever we remember. Okay. Along. So in our, and I guess our B plot is this, uh, is the story where Finn and uh, Rose are going um, looking for a code breaker to help them disable a tracking device, uh, yeah. like a hyperspace tracking device on Snoke's command ship. Yeah, which is now following them through hyperspaces. Yeah, there. and they're just managing to stay out of range of the, which, which I actually thought was kind of a neat device. And speaking of Battlestar Galactica, yep. have you watched Battlestar Galactica? I have, yeah. I'm, I'm sure only a certain percentage of listeners have, so I won't go too into detail. But this is very similar to that one of those first plot lines. There's like several episodes that were this, like jumping through hyperspace and being tracked. And yeah, yeah, exactly. I, was a li- I mean, I feel like somebody must have watched that episode. <laughs> I feel like it's, there's a good possibility, but it also is like, it's a pretty reasonable device. Can I just say yeah. also that um, I thought Ryan Johnson included some things that were like specifically for George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's been lots of like, hey, how do bombs fall in space? Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. just like, I assume they're magnetized and yeah. awesome because they're yeah. awesome in space. But that's not the reason why those bombs are falling off of those bombers in the opening course, sequence. Yeah. The bombs are falling off those bombers in the opening sequence because it's a great World War II like movie moment. It yeah. has the it has the the, the pacing and of and George Lucas would have loved that opening scene. I was like fine with it watching it. It didn't bother me, but I did think about it and I feel like they could have addressed it so that nobody thought about it with a few just treating some of the effects differently, like as the bombs fall, just making it like add some little boosters on them so that yep. it's not gravity. Yeah. So that, like maybe you can 
I don't feel like they've ever defined how gravity works in Star Wars. They're just loosey goosey about it. But that like maybe that as they get a certain distance away from the ship, the bomber ship, that then the boosters kick in to push them downwards because now we, they're in space. So they're not going to keep falling. Like just give me some hints at like we know you are thinking about it because it's so visible. Like everybody referred to it. Every review mentions like, oh yeah, the bombs. And it may bother you, it may not, but I feel like they could have just cleaned it up. Like a little bit of polish could have been like, you have nothing to complain about because look, we explained it in universe. Yeah. I feel like the line of dialogue that explains it, it got cut. <laughs> Maybe. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like there was one line that taken was just like, so little. Yeah. Yeah. And because we know bombs wouldn't fall like that, like no matter what, it's in that, you know, fantasy, not real sci-fi mm-hmm. world of Star Wars. But anyway, I liked the sequence on a bomber. I liked them. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked them struggling to make sure that they could finally, you know, detonate that bomb just in time. I also liked the dreadnought a lot. Yeah. Just like as a as a thing. It was cool. It was really cool. The cool triangular mean looking thing. Yeah, and yeah. seeing it get blown up. Uh, OK, so, yeah, they're being tracked through hyperspace. They need to go find a code breaker to help them. Get rid of the tracking device. What happens next? They uh, Finn and Rose meet, I guess, is yeah, kind of one, one of the uh, first things. Finn's going to try to – what was his first move? That's actually the thing that – like now we've only seen this We should have had a second yeah, – yeah. I, 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 really I wanted to last it. night. I was really like thinking about going to a midnight showing just to like be ready. Yeah. But I couldn't. Um, but <laughs> I watched some of the Force Awakens last Finn's night. Finn's on, so. on his way out. Is he going to go try to contact? He's um, going to find Ray because Ray right. is following. This is such a bad way to podcast. Like <laughs> listen to two people try to remember the movie they watched a week ago. Yeah. You guys are going to enjoy this one. Yeah. So he's, he's going to, he's going to find Ray mm-hmm. and then uh, Rose catches him. Yeah. And Rose is fangirling at first because she's excited to meet uh, an important member of the resistance. Yep. And then she becomes suspicious about what Finn's motives are. Yeah, she sees are. the backpack, realizes he's taken off and tases him. This is one of those moments that looking back on doesn't work for me as well. Like the way, she, how quickly she sort of jumped emotions. I was a little bit thinking about it now. It's like, that's not how people act. I like it for her, actually. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about that point as well because we've had some discussions about this. And I, I uh, for me, if she's a genuinely, like if she's a really sincere person, and I think that actually like this for me developed her character more than some others did. A lot of people were like, well, you know, Rose is really flat. like, right. But she makes emotional changes, which suggests to me that she's actually a more complete person than a lot of characters who are like, I serve a single purpose. I'm mad until I'm happy. Well, the end. Maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but it felt like there were less changes late, like less of this kind of jumping. Like this was a very quirky moment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she's a For quirky sure. girl, like yep. it silly and feisty, like all over the place in some yeah. way. I think and then, that, but that didn't, that happened many more times to me. Like who no. she was later didn't feel the same as in that first she moment. She stabilized after that first, yeah. after that first scene. I, you know, like I mean, like in, in, a, in a film like that, it's, it's hard to, like, you know, in an adventure movie, that's not really about Rose's journey, I would, I still, I I felt pretty good about it. And actually the initial meeting, the sort of like fangirl slash meet cute slash like she realizes that there could be something potentially wrong here. And then her following her own kind of moral standards about what she felt would be the right thing to do Mm -hmm. worked for me. And then also her geeking out with Finn made me laugh. And then like, I was like, okay, I can see why these guys would be a team. Like if she really, if she has begun to understand that nobody else will trust them, then, then, then it works for me as a duo. Once the ball got rolling, I felt more okay with it. Then Maz shows up. Mm-hmm. For her little cameo and with a gives union them a dispute, so funny. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I that made me giggle so hard because, yeah, yeah. like, it's a very Star Wars expanded universe kind of moment. Like, it felt like mm-hmm. a comic book moment to right. me. But yeah, of course, like somewhere else, she's quote settling a union dispute 
unquote, even though she's she's clearly just <laughs> murdering people. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a one scene I just don't love going back. What just the, the way she could like maintain a conversation while being in a battle was a little <laughs> cartoony. But whether or not that works okay. for me kinda doesn't matter. Like yeah. uh, then she gives them their assignment and they're off to go find this code breaker. Yeah. So now they head to the casino planet, which mm-hmm. is I think one of the, the the most commonly criticized parts. Yeah, and, it's contentious. It's yeah. uh, it's been visually contentious. Like, is it too slick? Um, which I, I I disagree with because this yeah. is supposed to be rich people. And then it's also uh, narratively contentious because uh, um, their mission is to go find a code breaker, a specific code breaker. Yeah. They we. Th- think we find him then it turns out not to be him then they get thrown in jail and we find a different code breaker or his, was he the code breaker all along <laughs> okay, let's let's do that first i i also want to i'll really quickly say that the visual styling just made me think of the prequels not in the way that the prequels were bad films but it's the world of the prequels yes. of like the that same class of people doesn't realize that the rebellion ever happened they're just rich enough to like keep living in in prequel fantasy land yeah it felt kind of similar to that to me as well like if you're a, if you're in the 1% of, of of the galaxy far far away then you can you can avoid dealing with the fact that the lived in universe exactly yeah. yeah uh and then with the code breaker okay so i just still kind of this is again going back to subverting expectations like mm-hmm. i still kind of can't believe the person they ended up following around for the rest of the plot wasn't who they were looking for like that doesn't really happen much right <laughs> like they just happened to find another person with similar skills and it's like it's such a I, I kept expecting him to like pull out that little floral pin or whatever and like show that like no I'm really because that's what usually happens that's what I wanted that's what I wanted yeah. to have happen as well like was that 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 was a miss for me I did I didn't mind it in the end but a swing and a miss for me was that he didn't reveal later on that he had like that well I think to fully judge that character will depend on the final film because he could turn out to be a and come back and like he betrayed them and comes back. Yes. Maybe. And also I think we're in a way. But it was kind of a worse betrayal because a lot of people got killed. So yes. Uh, in a way too, uh, that's also a, a way to set us up from how this is different from uh, Empire Strikes Back as well, because we, we meet a, like another roguish character and this roguish character ends up being like the worst. Yeah. So he might yeah. be redeemable, but he might not. And he might return later just to be worse. Yeah. So, yeah. Which I'd be I, fine with too. I expect he'll be back. Usually I don't like a huge, star showing up in a film with non-stars and I just liked his performance Benicio Del Toro's performance yeah. I've heard everybody else dislike it so yeah which I didn't understand I thought he was like it was like oh that's Benicio Del Toro but it's also like ah, you're creepy He's and weird just weird enough yeah uh, okay. for me Okay, so then then what happens? I happen to go to the washroom in the middle of that big uh, race on the bat horse looking things. Essentially, they're escaping from the cops, right? Like they. I, oh yeah, that cop. I I didn't like the cop. No, he had like a southern accent. It was a little, oh yeah, it was a little dopey. There was, there was some, there was some stuff like, and again, the whole B plot felt a little bit like expanding universe to me as well. Right. Like, oh, here's what Finn and Ray are up to, by the way. Let's and check so in. Yeah. You can buy Star Wars 47 through 53 and you'll know what's happened in those yeah. books. And then I can totally understand where people were annoyed with this narrative and then annoyed with them chasing, chasing away on the horse rabbits until they got into a field and then they got rescued on a ship a little bit conveniently, which it turned out to be too conveniently in the mm-hmm. end. 
yeah, I mean, it was th- that part of the story happened. Yeah. I mean, we would have really liked to see a more meaningful reunion between Ray and Finn, maybe. Yeah. But also we had to what Ryan Johnson was doing was giving us a limited amount of time. So I like that. I think after watching Force Awakens last night to just kind of revisit it. This movie turns Finn into basically a different character for me. Like his purpose in the film, his purpose in the story has now shifted because he was kind of being set up If we remember the feeling of not knowing what The Force Awakens would be about, he was kind of being set up to potentially be the main character in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. like equal to Rey. They would both together be main characters. And in this film, he clearly is not. He is not the center of this. He is- And Ray Ray and Kylo Ren were, which I didn't mind. I mean, if if Force Awakens was, we've got three new characters, four, I guess, when when Poe Dameron gets into the mix as well. Mm -hmm. And and again, we talked about it. Apparently they were planning on killing him off. And then they just decided that he was, uh, Oscar Isaacson was charming enough to keep around. So so we've got four new characters, but mostly three that, that, we think we know about. We've yeah. got a, a mostly bad Kylo Ren. We've got a just realizing he doesn't want to be bad anymore, Finn, but a bit neutral. And we've got Ray, who's also starting off a bit neutral and then is starting to lean towards the light side of yeah. the force yeah. towards the end. And now we've got a we've got a Ray who's who's committed to the light side of the force. We've got a Kylo Ren who's committed to the dark side of the force, and we've got a Finn who's still a little bit Ah, he's still trying to be a good guy yeah. like, to, to the point where he's willing to do things that might get him in trouble. He is, but his story also started getting just a little more like, it's just about the Finn and Rose show. Like it's just their little, it's more personal to them and he is less important to the overall story. You know, I'm just, I'm not curious what's going to happen with him at all in the next film. Interesting. Like, yeah. Know, so it I, just sort of like, it just took your and, interest in And I'm much and- more interested in Ren and Kylo. So maybe that's the right decision. Cause like now it, that got so much better. We haven't got to their relationship yet, Yeah, but I, that is my favorite part of the film. And I enjoy that relationship more than any of the relationships in the first film. But, but I, I've also got to say like Rose and Ray interacting with Finn, the Ray Finn interaction was so much more interesting to me in the yep. force awakens and not because of like, not talking about romance or anything. It's just, it just worked better. I was much more interested in it. Yeah. I cared a lot more. And again, it was an interesting, uh, an interesting problem to, for the writing to be mostly like, uh, other than the fact that you have to assume that part of the Ray storyline takes place over a slightly longer amount of time. Like there's a, there's, there's some amount of time leading up to, like she goes, she, she meets Luke. There's some amount of time she spends on the island. Yeah, right. And then, right. and then uh, we must synchronize at some point where Finn wakes up on the ship. He realizes what situation that they're yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. Like some amount of time has yeah. passed. But uh, I don't remember what my point was, but I'm sure it was very <laughs> incisive. And I'm sure all of your many fans are like, yeah, that, all right, well, that guy knows what he's saying. We'll, we'll figure it out in our headcanon. Great. Something we're missing a little bit right now is Leia's almost death. Yes. Um, and that the moment right before it is one of my favorites. I really enjoyed seeing Adam Driver's performance in that decision-making moment of not pulling the trigger and killing his mother as well as his father. And then uh, TIE fighters come, blow up the bridge. She flows out into space. Uh, here we are at another contentious scene, the, the flying... Flying with the force. Yeah, flying with flying the force. Flying with the cannons. And surviving the cannons. outer space. I mean, I, everybody, I think, thought like, oh, this is the, and this is just reality and the film interacting mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is the moment that she's going to die. And yeah, an interesting, interesting, I've used the word many times today, but it's I- It's a good word. Yeah, it is. Uh, and also meaningless. Um, a Say fascinating. It's fascinating. <laughs> a compelling possible yeah. way to 
kill off Leia's character because it was in the plot. Yeah. Now I know that they had to bring her back later on in the story or they thought they did, but I think they might've been able to get away with having it happen right then. It would have been surprising. It would have been disappointing as well. Like I think Leia wouldn't have done as much as they wanted her to. Yeah. I, I've heard the theory. I don't know if this is a thing, but that basically each film was going to be a send off to one old character. So we had Han Solo in the last one and then yeah. we'd have Luke in this one. And then, Leia would have her moment in the final film, which unfortunately won't be able to, to happen. But I feel like that's what they were building to and why they kept her around and didn't give her much to do. But it, it does feel like in hindsight now, we kind of could have let this disappointing way of her dying wrap things up a little bit more. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just don't know how they're going to wrap it up better than that. I don't know either. I like it's going to, they said they were not going to do any reshoots. They weren't going to CGI her. So those are the promises we've we've had so far. So as far as what they're going to do, it, I, I think that leaves it happening off screen. How do you feel about the force flying? Though? Um, it did look a little like a little goofy mm-hmm. sort of. But I, I mean, I, I liked the acknowledgement that Leia has Re- real she can powers. Use, yeah, she could, yeah, she's a force user and that she could potentially have been mm-hmm. a great Jedi if that's how the path that she had wanted yeah. to follow. Because so. I do think her not using any force powers in the previous films was a little bit of a, a girl thing. The boys have, can like throw stuff around and it's, you know, girls can just do the, the mental work. Yeah. And so it was like, look, anybody that has really strong force powers is able to use them in various ways. So like, I, I thought that totally made sense. I think a challenge of the execution might be just the the way that she moved through space didn't look Amazing. I don't know. Yeah, I wanted her to be tumbling off. more or or in less gravity. I, I don't even somehow. know how to describe what yeah. what was slightly off about it. But um but the, the plot as a plot device it was totally fine for me. Yeah, she can she can yeah, do stuff. Of course she can. Great. And in a way I was happy to see that acknowledged. I was like, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, of course. She's got the force. So yeah, I mean, you know, very sad that she's not gonna be here in the future. It's 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 hard to talk about it from both the real world and plot perspective. But, um, you know, we're mostly talking about the plot of Star Wars here. So, yeah. yeah. So from a plot perspective, it's a huge problem. <laughs> it is. And you know? um, later, later on, when we get to uh, what we're thinking is going to be coming. Uh, yeah. We can talk about it a little more, but it definitely there was an opportunity there to tidy up that part of the story. But oh, well, yeah. nice to see more of Carrie Fisher. Yeah. But also we didn't get to see as much of her as we would have liked in order to ratchet up the tension in that short span of time while she was in her space coma. Yeah. And then we are back to Luke and Ray. This is where Luke starts to talk about that he hates the Jedi, basically. And he's, he's over the force and he's moved on and he's just a milk and... I think it was a move. <laughs> milk okay. and moves by the sea. Like I, I, I pulled this up because I wanted to make sure I had the exact quote. Han Solo in Force Awakens says, hey, some moof milker installed a compressor on the ignition line. I, and I just saw that scene last night. I really yeah. watched it. Just so, like- you know, and it like, and it really <laughs> stuck with me. I was like, ah, moof milker. Ah, that's like, that's like nerf herder. It's not a thing. Yeah. Well, you and know. in Earth world, you only really refer to one animal getting milked. Typically. You yep. say like, I was milking, I was milking an animal. It was probably a cow. Probably a cow. So yeah. it's probably, you know, yeah, it's probably like a it, move. Yeah. And I think it's really weird that Porgs, 
that the word porg spread around like crazy. Everybody knows what a porg is now, yep. but it wasn't mentioned in the film. So why did we all pick up on the name of that? But we don't know what these weird sea creatures are. Yeah. I sometimes feel like that with Star Wars. Like there's a, there's a necessity to involved in the expanded universe because like, and for me, it started with the Kenner action figures. Like you would never know who some of those characters were until you saw the little the name packaging. beside them. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a uh, prune face Forlom, or like, yeah. They, so we never we never saw a moof milker, but we did see Luke go up to a weird thing and milk it and milk it, yeah. milk some bluish milk out I'm of gonna, it. I'm going to go with you that that was a that was a move. Yeah. And I really I wanted it to be a move. And I also was glad Ryan. John, thank you, Ryan Johnson, for telling me the source of blue milk. Yeah. Yeah, it, Which it was, answers a, a long standing question. Like it was really just a lighting mistake. Really, that was <laughs> yeah. that was what blue milk is. It's not science fiction milk. It is was, it? Was it not intentional? Uh, my understanding was that it was that it was, it was just, just like milk. whoops, because sometimes food shows up the wrong color under right, so films? film lights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. The, back to the, <laughs> the, the the a plot. You don't want to spend more time with the move milker. <laughs> so I, I've got to say that uh, Luke's character still really feels like Luke to me. Because mm-hmm. he was always temperamental and he always had some darkness to him. He was able to be discouraged. He was able to be angry. He didn't have the same level of like control or, or wisdom as Yoda and Obi-Wan did. Luke was the main character, but he wasn't set up to be as, let's say, as perfect as Rey. Rey is, is like very good. I think she's more like her darkness is less comes from a better place than Luke's almost. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I mentioned in the force awakens episode about that moment where Luke almost kills the emperor. Luke brings his lightsaber up, swings it down and Darth Vader stops it. Yeah. And that like Luke was willing to commit murder. He did it. Mm-hmm. He, he was only stopped by an external force. So yeah. Luke has really has that darkness in him. And the fact that he still can't really grapple with it or control it now, your decades later, isn't surprising to me. Yeah. And I think actually there's some stuff that plays into this that a, a pat on the back to the prequels for this. There yeah. was a sense that the Jedi Order had become sort of bloated and bureaucratic mm-hmm. and wasn't really respectful of the true nature of the force and that there was some need or desire for there to be balance in that and to bring that back to force awakens luke is now also deeply concerned that they've been disrespectful of some kind of balance and that his way of dealing with it is just to not be a jedi let's just give up on the whole thing and yet he's still attached to some of the trappings of being a Jedi. Yeah, he's still protecting the books. He's pro- still protecting yeah. the books, which, and I was so glad to see Yoda show up at, like as a force ghost. Yeah. And I thought it was really fun to have him be kind of a Zen master. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you, oh, you were going to burn down the books. Let me burn them down for you. Yeah. Boom. And now what are you going to do? Yeah. So I thought that was a really cool kind of Zen teacher moment. And then Yoda is then trying to explain the difficulty of having to be a teacher or a master is that there's, it's more complex than just, the teaching. Yeah. What did you think of Muppet Yoda? Was he back to being a Muppet now? I didn't even know this. I didn't research this. But you just felt more Muppet at He felt much more. Yeah. Uh, and I assume it was a mix. This is all just from looking at it. I felt like maybe some of, just some of the like facial animation was yeah. maybe CG and that like the, but the overall body was yeah. a puppet. 
Well, and it could have been like, you know, they would have, it was Frank Oz's voice too. So they might've done some capture there and well, unless they had him full up puppeteer because Frank Oz, of course, is a, a, like a <laughs> right, wonderful, yeah. wonderful puppeteer. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see Yoda back. It was nice to see Yoda cast as a mystic, not f- jumping from ship to ship, fighting with a yeah, tiny yeah, lightsaber. Yeah, like I never, never needed to see him do that. No. And I've complained previously and I'm done complaining about it until next year. <laughs> if we'd see Yoda again, which I can't imagine we will, but you never know. Yeah. And he worked better in here than we've seen him in any new film in years. Yes. Yeah. Luke starts to kind of grapple with himself a bit. Oh yeah. And I also just want to say how I think Mark Hamill was so fantastic. I think there was a lot of moments in the first films that you could see him struggling with the performance. Like, I don't think he's always a really strong actor back then, but since then in all his performances as the Joker on Batman oh, and so in video games, and he's been acting this whole time, just mostly as a voice actor, but seeing what he did in this film, I'm like, yes, you are, you figured it out. Like you are a great actor at this point. I yeah. really think he like embraced the role and did an amazing job. I really enjoyed him as a now cranky old man, but still impetuous, still a little entitled Luke Skywalker. Yeah. 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 And uh, it, it was a bit surprising that he, not surprising. Okay. It was surprising. Yeah. Go, if I had, before I saw this movie, I knew there would be an old Luke and I expected him to have become more of an Obi-Wan and more of a, a, this is what happens as you get older as a Jedi, you become wiser and you become like all of the yeah. older Jedis we've ever seen. And Luke was still much more of himself. Yeah. I really like that. And a, a tip of the hat to Ryan Johnson for letting us go there a little bit for letting us think, oh man, Luke is going to be like a burdened, but wise old master, yeah. but he's still kind of like, no, I, you just bring me uh, my dad's lightsaber back. Cool, man. I'm going to throw this <laughs> off a cliff. You go see if you can find it later. All right. So let's jump back to the very slow motion chase now. So around now, uh, Holdo with her purple hair has started yeah. to reveal that her plan is to evacuate the ship on a bunch of small, smaller ships. The whole interaction between her and Poe, again, this is looking back on it, but now doesn't really work that well for me of like why she needed to keep that so secretive. It just feels like if you can sense that your crew is starting to turn against you a little bit because they don't trust you and you are a new, you were freshly in charge of this whole ship and Poe is obviously in a leadership role. I mean, I know he's been demoted, but like, he is important. People respect him. She should be aware that like, if he gets as upset as it looks like he's getting, that could be problematic. Maybe just let him know, like, yeah, we're going to evacuate the ship. Like what's the risk? So I, there's a, there's a thing in a narrative where nobody tells anybody anything. Mm -hmm. Nobody just says what the problem is, which of course they can't. It frustrates me. But it is, it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen enough episodes of Grey's Anatomy now that (laughs) I'm tired of people not telling each other what's going on. So they set it up that like, that Holdo's not going to, she's just going to uh, follow the status quo. And you don't get any hint that she's not going to do that. Yeah. So in a way, Poe's motivation makes sense because mm-hmm. she seems committed to following this suicidal course of action. And he thinks he's got the only way to possibly save them. But in another way, you're, you're right. A, a stronger character choice for her would have been to get behind this, this plan make an attempt at it while they were preparing for the other possibility because as well. By the end of the movie, I think her character is not meant to be, she's meant to be very smart uh-huh. and it's an intelligent, wise person that makes good decisions, but her earlier behavior doesn't reflect who they want you to believe she is by the end. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, this, this is another part of the plot that could have been tightened up for me. Um, the, the most successful part of the storytelling for me is the, is the Luke Ray and um, Kylo Ren story. Yeah. 
so let's get back to it because now we have uh, Ray has gone off to try to bring Kylo back to the light side. Uh, mm-hmm. She, I don't know if we talked about the communications. No, we didn't. Uh, we didn't. About yeah. the, the force projections. Yeah, which uh, I really liked. Yeah. Uh, My favorite joke about this was the incomparable calling it force time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> that is good. But yeah, like I, I like that they established some sort of parameters for it so that it wasn't totally clear what they were able just to do. something detect. about how they executed it worked so well for me. I, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what it is. It's just reverse shots of people in different locations. Yeah. Something about the acting and the sound editing and just like, it just like, this works so well. Like I'm so interested in this ability for them to communicate in that moment where he says like, I can see you, but I can't, can't see your surroundings. Can you yeah. see mine? A little, I, I don't know why that was so like interesting. A to nice me. detail for the audience. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think it was an eyeline thing too, either. Like at first I was like, I was really watching for eyeline right. once we yeah. started doing this. And uh, yeah, me too. in retrospect, I don't think that their eyeline no. perfectly matches. No, I don't I think, think they're, they're taking in the surroundings roughly yeah. of where the other person is, but like, well, they can't see the surroundings, but they're taking in sort of like a rough kind of idea of what this other person mm. is. And I also like that there was a sense that this was a, this went beyond your sort of typical Jedi skills yeah, or typical Sith skills as well. Like, uh, Darth Vader can sense Luke. They can have the sort of half conversation that they have in the Leia can sense Luke as well. And so there are these little miniature versions of this in the, in the original trilogy, but this seems heightened and evolved. And uh, that's one of the questions I want answered in the next one is like, if, if we know that Kylo Ren is an amazing Jedi because he has this like Skywalker ancestry, then is it possible that he's even something more? And so is Ray and that they're, that they're they're in a world beyond this kind of just the mirror force, which is well, I think something that brought me I'm just realizing this that something that made me feel more interested in that moment is how interested Kylo was by it, that he was a little impressed. He's like, wow, this is this is new. And I'm like, oh, it's new. Cool. Like you don't even know what this is. Amazing. We're all yeah. discovering it together. Yeah. And it was uh it was also neat to see the way he chose to walk that. He didn't take it directly to Snoke. He didn't. And Snoke tries to take credit for it in the end. And I don't believe that Snoke has that actual power. Yeah, I don't think that's, I sure. don't think we, that own, that belongs to Snoke. I think Snoke realized that it was happening, but didn't. Uh, maybe he nudged it in some way or, or maybe. something, but, okay. but I don't know if okay. he was facilitating it in a way that makes him the all powerful sort of uh, Sith that he, he presumably right. is. Yeah. yeah. And I don't even think he says the word Sith at any point. I've, I've also got to say, since we haven't talked about Kylo much yet, yeah. that right after watching this movie, I I feel like he is now my favorite villain of anything. Like I've never been so interested and so uh, unsure of who he, which direction he will go or um, like both from a writing perspective and a performance perspective. It's just so, so much better than Darth Vader. Yeah. He's, he's more, he's, he's conflicted, which is interesting. Oh, it's always interesting to have a conflicted character. He's also following his own set of rules as well. He really like, he has some, he's starting to develop some opinions about what he thinks should be going on. Yeah. And that, and this builds up to the point where, you know, there's the amazing, that that's so satisfying fight sequence with Ray and uh, Kylo Ren. Yeah. Let's go, go into it more in a sec. Uh, but the, after that moment, there's that discussion where he's saying, you know what, let's forget all this stuff. Let's just, let's give up on all of the, all the nonsense about Jedi and Sith and whatever and the rebellion. Let's just do our own thing entirely. Mm-hmm. You and I, let's find out where this goes. Yeah. And I thought that was a really 
fascinating character moment. And again, like it couldn't just happen being written in there. No. Like if Hayden Christensen was delivering those lines, I wouldn't believe it. You know, like <laughs> it, it, it really was like sold so well by Adam Driver. Like he really feels like he's embodying this whole character. And like, I'm so interested in it. And there's, there's an earnestness to him, you know, like, I feel like he says what he believes a lot. There hasn't been a lot of time that he spends lying. No, he just, he straight up reacts emotionally. Which is why, so in this, in this scene where we are in the, in the chamber. Yeah. There is the moment of him revealing to Ray that her parents are nobody. Yes. And that moment is great. So we, this is one thing we really talked about specifically a lot before is that this is what we wanted to happen. And it felt so right. And even the way it was revealed felt right. And like everything about it, I was so satisfied with it. I know probably some people aren't because they want it to be, this is what Star Wars is. There's families and lineages and being, having this connect, this direct connection has always been important to it. And again, this is part of flipping the table and saying like, look, no, this, this series isn't going to be what you thought it was in every single way. It's not going to be as predictable as you may have hoped. And we just have a new character coming from nowhere. And it makes me so much more interested in her. Well, I really wanted her to to come from nowhere because I was a bit tired of the Skywalker thing. It was like, oh, are the Skywalkers the only awesome Jedi's that have ever been around? Like, there was there was already a Yoda. Yeah, small small universe problem. Yeah, Um, and so I I was happy to see that revelation, but it also made me wonder whether or not Kylo Ren is lying about that. Yeah, and that there is some uh, significant connection with where Rey comes from and why it is that Luke is so afraid of her attraction to the dark side as well, or her, maybe not attraction, but her sort of like utility with it. Yeah. Like that she's drawn to it as immediately as she is drawn to things on the light side mm-hmm. as well. So I still it hope. It could be a fake out. Yeah. Yeah. I still hope she's way, because way there, out of nowhere. There wasn't a lot of gravity to, to that revelation. Like no. it was kind of, it was kind of casual. So in the way that it feels like they could take it back. So we'll find out. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll soon see. Well, so, okay, now we have to go back a few minutes in the film yes. to Snoke still alive. <laughs> yes, Snoke is still alive. And so and, he's, he, you know, you're setting him up for, he's raising the stakes on his own, on his own death, potentially. Yeah. He's uh, telling um, Kylo Ren that he's been useless this whole time. He's uh, so excited to have Ray there because he can, he can finally, finally someone useful showed up. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah right. He claims to have facilitated their ability to speak across great, great distances, but we actually know that to be untrue later on because Luke is capable of doing it. It just requires an immense amount of, of like Jedi right. energy. Yeah. And, and he's such a manipulative jerk. So I like it. The Snoke is really working for me as a, like a, like yeah. a big bad also, guy. Visually he worked really well in this film too. Pretty well. Yeah. In the, in the last one, it was a little bit like, I don't know, is, is this just a novelty that he's a projection? But once you saw him in, in the flesh, like, I liked that he was also cool. Like, he wasn't just gross like the Emperor who was, like, just a monster trying yeah. to hide himself. Yeah. But he's into fashion. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, like, he's a cool guy that is very confident, different enough from the Emperor, even though he falls in the same mold. The biggest problem with Snoke now for me is... I know it was, it looks like it was a bit of a MacGuffin to wonder who he is so much. We spent so much time like who's yep. Snoke, who's Snoke. And obviously it was just some misdirection, but it does leave a big plot hole of like, where was he in the 
previous movies like why yeah, what, why like what, from from where yeah where did he come from cuz he would have been alive at the same time as the emperor yep. he has similar powers to the emperor yep. why was there only one sith as powerful as the emperor at that time it, yeah and there's uh, like there's the again there's this expanded universe stuff about like well you know there's all these force sensitives around that they recruit and those are the ones who are in the throne room in return of the jedi and those are the ones who are working with uh snoke as well and there's like all this use of kind of jedi technology embedded into this newer universe as yeah. well there's the kyber crystals showing up all the place right, uh, right. like all over the place and so i um yeah i mean it, on the one hand in the original trilogy the emperor just was a bad guy that came out of nowhere. Yeah. But then we had the luxury in a way of going back and finding <laughs> out that storyline. Yeah, now, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I still, I mean, you know, like the prequels, sometimes they grow on me and yeah. sometimes I still feel the rage. Well, but. I, I don't think we need a full explanation. I don't even know if we need a throwaway line. It just is a hole that is left in my mind. Yeah. And stories don't need to explain everything. Yep. It's just something I'm still thinking about. But a who was Snoke would be interesting because the prequel spent so much time drilling it into us that there's always this master and there's always this apprentice. Well, maybe that's why it bothers me a little because we've been told it's supposed to be a certain way. Yeah. And now it's not that way. I don't know. You know yeah. No, and there's this weird binary about it. And then it's like, okay, where did all these other guys come from? Like, yeah. are, is this, is this the emperor was and Snoke was hedging his bets? And so that like, there's always been this sort of like, yeah, you, it's just the two of us, except for the other three guys I've got. Yeah. Waiting in the wings. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. But his actual death was great. Like yeah. I was so glad to see a surprise. What like a fun that. surprise. Yeah. Oh, it was. We didn't have to wait for the moment on. Kylo Ren's face to mirror Luke's face where he's like, Oh, I'm definitely going to kill this guy. Yeah. And he didn't have to wait for, you know, to, so it was really nice to have the Kylo Ren character take a moment and lock eyes with Ray and give her a sense. Like there's an option here and I think I'm going to take it. Then we, we have the fight scene, which is one of my favorite moments of mostly because of them teaming up for one it's visually incredible like that throne room is so beautiful seeing it burn down and the windows be revealed is also amazing Mm. everything about it was so good but uh i'll I'll definitely remember that moment of feeling the characters being together as just like i just loved that yeah they'd been building up to it um there's so much conflict in their relationship but they can feel what is common about it it was just such a complicated moment yeah. Um, and then seeing them be badass and like have a great, the, the complicated relationship with a super badass fight scene is a great yep. combination. You know? Really liked it. And I really liked that it wasn't like, now nah, we're BFFs, the end. Right. Yeah. Like, and during the fight, I wasn't thinking about like, is this going to last? But by the end of the fight, I was a little bit like, oh yeah, they're a team now. Right. Oh. And I felt the disappointment that they would have been feeling yeah. as they saw, oh, I was I was imagining something different was going on here. I yeah. thought we had a thing. Yeah. No, this was going to be, a, this was going to be the next spinoff movie. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah. Ray and Ren on the road. <laughs> uh, okay. Wait, what happens next? I'm going to look at my notes. So let's jump back a little bit to the Finn and Poe and Rose story. The right. code breaker betrays them. So Finn is stuck on the ship waiting around for Finn and Rose to go get the code breaker. They don't get, the codebreaker, but they maybe get the codebreaker, but we're worried about a missing line where they, they find a codebreaker, but then he takes off on them. Well, and he regains the trust in that moment of like when he opens the door and gives back her smelts, something smelts. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's sort of this weird fake out right before we find out he's truly bad. 
it's like, oh, maybe he's good because he gave her the thing back. Oh no, he's actually yeah, just a full bad guy. It's actually interesting too. And like, when does he does he does he make that decision? Does he says he makes that decision when they lock them all up? But they didn't lock them all up, did they? He would have to flip on them right away. Yeah. Like he would have to say, hey, I've got information on these guys that you need. Right. Yeah. No, I don't. I have no idea when it happened. No. So, yeah, if it if it happened at right at the end there, as he claims it does, then he could still be potentially redeemed. But I also was happy to see him be irredeemable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again, because it's a bit of a surprise. Like, it's not the same thing. It's not another Lando. It's not what we've seen over and over again. That's the theme of this movie is. It doesn't have to be the same type of storytelling that you've always seen. Yeah, I really enjoyed the surprises throughout. For me, them baiting the fans with something that felt similar and then giving it a different outcome to push it along really worked for me. Then we have the big, I don't know if this order's right. There's a big fight scene. Uh, Phasma shows up. Yep. Uh, we get to see Finn using his battle axe thing again. Yep. BB-8 drives a... Oh, an AT-AT, an AT-AT, I guess I'm told by my... The, the young nieces and nephews <laughs> in my life. So, okay, yeah. BBA drives an ad at, and yep. what else happens? Phasma dies. We assume. Possibly, maybe, yeah. 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 I don't know. I was totally, I, I enjoyed that whole fight scene. It was, it was cool. I liked seeing the way Finn fights. Yep. yep. There, it, there needed it, to be was, some resolution to that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it could continue and I might be satisfied or it could be gone and I might be satisfied with that as well. Yeah, I, I don't feel like Phasma needs to be important. I mean, she's, she's Boba Fett. She can be important or not. She's just supposed to be cool. Yep. It does. She is. She is not important to the plot. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, her. Nothing rides on it. Her entire separate storyline is not critical to the rest of what's going on. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, everybody makes a getaway. They're, they're, uh, they're back on the, uh, the resistance ship. Uh, They're headed for that mineral planet. And let's just skip to everybody's on crate. Yeah. I believe it's called together. The, the planet. And we have basically a a Hoth face off. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously referencing it. And what'd you think this whole scene? Uh, Really visually worked for me. Uh, I know there's been disagreement about this as well, but I liked the the red salt under the white salt. I really loved it. I I feel like all of the locations that any major scene would happen in, it was so driven by an artist. Mm -hmm. Like somebody made a beautiful illustration and that's how it was like, look, we're going to make it wherever you can make look the most beautiful. And then we'll work around that. We know what the characters are going to do. Just make this insanely good looking and we'll tie it into the story. And that just totally effective for me. It was, it After was our podcast last year yeah. uh, with Rogue One, I went and bought the, the entire complete Ralph McQuarrie multi-page coffee table book books. And they're, they're really great. One of the things that I really liked about it is that you could go back to Force Awakens and see the, the things like on Jakku, they're referencing Macquarie and there's other, like yeah. there's Macquarie references all over the place. And this, I would have to flip through and see if this world exists. I'm not certain that it does. Something like it might. But I am certain is that it feels right. designed, like it felt like it really visually belonged in the Star Wars universe. There was no debate about whether that, you can debate the casino, but hard to debate yeah this uh, mineral planet belonging. There. I also had a feeling of, I know you haven't seen uh, Thor yet, but I, I yeah. recommend it. And so for anybody that has my kind of know what I'm talking about, no spoilers for Thor here at all, but that a theme that runs through it a bit is these really painting like iconic moments. Like let's take a moment and just craft every inch of the screen into a painting. into like a tableau into a perfect render of like, this is a poster that you would hang on your, this is just a perfect image and let's hold on it for a second. Yeah. And there were 
five or six of them in Star Wars here, and, and similarly in, in Thor. And they, I'm comparing them because they have a, they had a very similar feeling to me. And yeah, as much as I visually loved Rogue One. I thought it was a really pretty film to mm-hmm. look at. I really liked the color timing on it. I just really yeah. liked the saturation yeah. and the everything um, or the desaturation, I guess like it was subtle, but it was there. Yeah. And, uh, but as much as I liked that in rogue one compositionally, there were quite a few moments where I was like, Oh, that like I came to see two seconds of just that shot. Yeah. This was more um, aggressive with its styling. Like it was bolder and, yeah. and um, it's, so it's, it's not a matter of better or worse to me at all. It's just, totally different approaches and different intentions. Yeah. The ways that rogue one was beautiful yeah. are, are just not the same. Yeah. No, d- different, different. Yeah. Um, so we're on the planet. We're fighting. We've got Luke who arrives, uh, deus ex machina. Yeah. But I'm Very glad so, that he yeah. actually did not arrive. <laughs> like I'm, 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 yeah. I'm pleased to find out that he, but, well, big question. Were you, where did you buy into it? Well, at first I was like, what? Uh, oh, okay. Luke is here. All right. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. And then to find out at the end that he actually wasn't there, I was like, oh, and then. But that's what I mean. Did you find out when you, at the end of the fight? Or I did found you, out at the end of the fight. Yeah, me too. I was like, I okay, Luke is here. Yeah. I just accepted it. Yeah. Again, that thing of me trying not to overthink Star Wars at all. Like I don't want to yeah. project the guess of what's happening. And it's funny too, because I wonder if there are people who were like, Oh, what is Luke doing here? When did he show up? Like, right. did he get the yeah. express? Well, and again, but again, that like that false foreshadowing of the X-wing underwater that like, Oh yeah, he's got an X-wing yeah, on yeah. this planet. He could fly away at any time. Yeah. There is that, again, that intentional faint to not do what you thought was going to happen. Yeah. The, the, the one hint that like I did register, but I didn't realize what it meant was that his hair color is less gray. Like he clearly had different hair. Mm-hmm. Shorter, shorter hair and, and browner. And I thought about him. I was like, why? Why, did, why is that different? But the surprise completely worked on me. And, and in fact, he was a bit more the Luke that Kylo Ren would recognize as, as Luke. That's probably, that's like my He's cleaned himself last... up a little bit. His beard is shorter too. Yeah. 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 So that, maybe that's exactly what they're, what they're going for there is that we project an image of Luke as Kylo Ren expects to see him. Yeah. Kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so then it I, like it explains the his amazing force powers as he's being blasted by. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also we missed a lot of the comedy in this, but I was just thinking of the interaction of Kylo and Hux just shooting at. Uh, oh yeah, Luke and's like very funny. You think we got him? <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. Um, and then when he force slams him against the wall, there's a couple of like there. I want to. I would like to go back and tag every moment that I was like, ha, <laughs> that was funny. Like yeah, the, so the, well, the Poe the po on the phone. Was, it's like it was actually verging on gaggy because it was like okay, yeah, I, it totally was. But again, it's like it. That's what good execution is. Is when you kind of go too far. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I, well, I, I, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I was still like, okay, that was, that, that is funny. Yeah, you got it. Let's get back to the action. And yeah. Hux having to be, cause he's a fairly funny, Domhnall Gleeson is a fairly funny comic actor as well too. So for him to play that straight yeah. about his rage, about being on pretend <laughs> hold with, uh, with this guy. Yeah. That really worked for me. Um, the chewy roasting a porg really worked mm-hmm. for me. And one of the things that I liked about that too is, is like plenty of complaints about Ewoks during Return of the Jedi. They're like, ah, you ruined your trilogy with teddy bears and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, I mean, we were talking a long time ago before people hated, you know, people had to hate Return of the Jedi before they hated the prequels, which is a trend that I find very uncomfortable. Like, we're just, ah, I just hate <laughs> the latest thing. 
Yeah. And now, now, now I've seen the latest, latest thing. I hate the other thing less. Yeah. And the old thing's gold. It's fine now. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Johnson's like, ah, I'm going to give you some Ewoks. I'm going to give yeah. you some pretty cute Ewoks. And then I'm going to roast one of them just so you know <laughs> where we stand. I wasn't distracted by them at all because they were just so less important than Ewoks. Yeah. They weren't like, like uh, they just didn't matter. And- you can just fully ignore them. Yeah. They, they can just be set dressing. You yeah. Know? And the kids, I mean, this is still f- very much for kids. Like, yeah. Put cute things in there, sell merchandise. Like, a family movie. M- my first reaction to them actually was like, oh, that is so much better than Minions. Because I'm confident that my nephew is not going to listen to this podcast before, <laughs> like, we got him a little animated porg. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't want it, I'm going to be pumped about yeah. it. But I thought they were like, they were funny there. There was a ton of, oh, the thank you. For the hardware wars. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, right, right. The, so the iron. I, I'm, I was looking at it on screen. Wait, explain like, what you're talking about. Okay, so it, when I was a Cub Scout, we got a 16 millimeter film from the library of hardware wars. And it's just a, it's a space battle between like, between uh, like kitchen implements mostly and like household items. I haven't seen this just so you know. Yeah, okay. So, so explain and, it to me. So it is a, it's a short film. I think it's even on YouTube these days. It's worth a watch. It's kind of funny. And like for an indie short, that was a sci-fi in-joke reference at the time in the 80s. It was pretty like, it would have been a real rarity. Right. In any case, uh, I hadn't thought about it for years. Actually, that's not true. I think about it all the time. <laughs> that, that is untrue. I think okay, about it okay. frequently um, without ever going to try and track it down. I just think about Hardware Wars from time to time. And uh, there's a scene where there's a, it's a very George Lucas kind of shot where there's a, a ship coming towards the camera and I was like, wait, is that, a, is that an iron? Is this hardware wars? And then sure enough, it goes to the wide shot and you yeah. see the iron descend and press an imperial jacket. And I was like, he just did a hardware wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I wonder what the general reaction to that was like, because I just like thought it was a ship at first. And yeah. then, you know. Yeah. And then, I, so I was like, wait, that ship doesn't look. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you didn't. And Amazing. I was delighted to see that. So let's go back to the battle that's happening. Yes. Kylo's just dropped down to street level to face off with Luke. Yep. And this was some of those really iconic moments. Like the mm-hmm. shots there were just great. Just the battle happening around them was just so beautiful. Yeah. I was happy to see the, it, uh, fine to see the matrix moment where Luke dives under the lightsaber, right, yeah. knowing that he doesn't have to as well. Like that he somehow well, no, no, made no, this. He has to, to sell it. Yeah. To, 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 so that the illusion stays real. And, uh, one of the things I really liked about this is how it all ties up at the end. So maybe we finish this fight sequence is wonderful. And then when, when this is after we've already retired the ships as well as they're speeding through the snow, revealing the sort of bloody color underneath the, the icy white, yep. uh, the now rebels following the little crystal foxes mm-hmm, outside mm-hmm. of the outside of the cave. It seems like a very kind of star Wars thing to me. Yep. Like well, we, we're not, we're the only ones paying attention to the animals on this planet. So we're, that's how, how we're going to be saved. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of things that really worked about that final moment to me. And when it is then revealed that Luke isn't there, uh, he vanishes. So is he around, kid? Well, and I so thought it was going to be a Obi-Wan moment. Yeah. Uh, of course it was like, oh yeah, we're going to have an Obi-Wan death. That would, that would fit. That would make sense. That's what we expect because it's Star Wars and things repeat. Yeah. And that's not what happened. No, it doesn't. And he, he disappears somehow yeah. like a hologram. And then we're like, wait, how is he a hologram the whole time? And then they go back. Thank you for the shot of this. Cause I, um, a lot of films would have missed it. He passed Leia Han's I know, fuzzy totally. dice and then they fade away as well. I wondered what that was about though. Why did he give her dice that like, did she feel them? I assume now that this was telling her what was really happening, that he's not here. 
I also assume she probably, she could force, no, I guess she couldn't. If she, if he could trick Kylo, then he could have been tricking her as well. So he handed her the dice as a, like, look, this is who is here. It's the, yeah. she could tell by the dice. I would guess that. Although I'd have to see another viewing. If Leia is the only one that he touches, then there's something connecting the two of them in the force because they're siblings. Right. And if Kylo Ren is able in the force to touch Ray. Right. Yeah. Then they could be as strongly connected. You're right. As Let's well. go see it again. Yeah. Oh, and then we also have to touch on the Rose uh, smashing into Finn to try to save him. I, w- I really didn't want Finn to, because they I didn't were. Want I, him, I didn't want him to die either, but I didn't feel like this was a. I felt like it was kind of like a fake hype up. Like it just, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't really into that moment. And then the moment after mm. I, I said that like I fully bought into the movie during my viewing. So most of these criticisms I'm making now, I didn't have while I was watching right. this one. I very much had in it, her in the crashed ship and then him coming over and she gives him a kiss. Yeah. That just totally fell flat for me. I was like, they are not in love. I didn't even feel like there was a romance budding. Like yeah. it did not feel romantic up to this point to me at all. And the acting in her, her kissing them, falling back and being instantly dead, didn't buy like that. Just that whole scene felt off to me. Yeah, I agree. That relationship didn't pay off the way that I think they had hoped that it would have. Yeah. So we'll have to see what we do with Finn in the next, in the next movie, which I'm still excited about. Uh, Yeah. I'm very ready for it. I'm also kind of like, I, I also have to chuckle. I kind of think JJ Abrams, you know, like made his bed with being like, let's ask cool questions and not answer them. Right, and now right, he's right. like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to deal with yeah. it. And now we're basically at the end of the movie. So let's talk about the future a little bit. What's where do we go from here? We talked briefly about Carrie Fisher, her, her unfortunate passing. And that means that we have to do something with her character. And presumably that means it has to happen off screen. Yeah. We're not going to get to, find out and it is a, i it seems totally respectful f- for me of them not trying to cobble something together with cgi or old scenes or yeah. really really try to heavily replot uh last jedi yeah. but it will be hard to handle nicely although i liked the luke's goodbye scene to leia which felt in context actually that made me tear up mm-hmm. because i i thought oh wow he's saying goodbye yeah like he's saying nobody's re- ever really gone. And that was a really sweet thing to say for the fans as well. I wonder if maybe they reshot that. Yeah. And w- well, what will happen in the long run? I mean, in 30 or 40 years, when kids are watching this for the first time, they won't know as they watch that this actress passed away in between. Yeah. They won't know the context. So the, the story has to hold up without realizing what happened in the real world. Just such an interesting challenge. Yeah. yeah we'll find I out. like seeing more of Billy Lord. I, I really like her on Scream Queens. I really like her on Scream Oh, that's Carrie Fisher's daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I can't, that, and that, you that, noticed that she was wearing the little buns too. I did, yeah. yeah. So she's the one, she's on the rebel yep. control surfaces. She's yeah. the one, she had a much more active role in this film. She yeah, was way more. showed up a lot more. And she's, she's, I, I, she's super fun. Again, uh, Scream, Queens is, Scream Queens is worth watching just because of her. But yeah. that, so that there, there's some potential there for some character growth, but you've only got a, like maybe again, a two and a half hour film to wind this all down. And we've really got to focus on Ray and Kylo Ren confronting each other because they're the only ones left now. Snoke is out of the picture. He's been, he's been hilariously murdered. That's actually an interesting thing about whether we expect Kylo to come back or not is he's the only bad guy. 
Whereas in the setup for Return of the Jedi, we had an emperor. Yep. And so he was the, the true bad guy. And then this relationship between Luke and Darth Vader was able to go back and forth a little bit more. And yeah. um, that's why there was an opening to turn Darth Vader. But if, if Darth Vader was the only bad guy, he kind of would need to die a little bit more. Yeah, with, with Snoke dead and uh, Kylo Ren unwilling to... Because if, like, if they just clasp hands at the end of all of it, who are they fighting against? Yeah. They just become what the resistance becomes the new order. So something has to happen first there. Order? I'm not really sure how it's we, first order. Yeah. <laughs> we made this joke last time too. <laughs> yeah. uh, Joy division. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but it'll be nice to uh, see that, see where that goes. I mean, wherever it goes, I'm, I'm sure that it'll, it'll, that has to be handled well. Yeah. I think it's the main thing that has to be handled well as yeah. Uh, and in a way, because that Finn wasn't really up to exactly. much. So I was just going to say, because like, I just don't really care that much about Finn anymore. Yeah. Like I am more in- interested in seeing more Poe because at least like he has those scene stealing moments where his character is just like, the, he's really funny or really action is amazing. Yeah. He has the biggest scenes in this film. And now that Finn isn't so central in um, who, like, I don't care about what happens to him as much. And he doesn't have those scenes where he's like being super cool or super funny. Yeah. How do we make him matter again? I don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, a really great question. Uh, Cause I liked him so much in force Awakens, So I want yeah, to, yeah, totally. And uh, maybe they could have a, a solution would have been write out the Rose character and put <laughs> Poe on that adventure with Finn. Right. Yeah, it's true. Then there's a bit more you, power. You know, there. it's funny that I didn't, uh, maybe I'm the only one that missed this, but that uh, Ray and Poe hadn't met until the end of this movie. Yep. Like I just didn't. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Or some, she, some she of our main gone. characters haven't met until we're finished two thirds of this trilogy. Yeah. And the. They don't even know of each other. In really. Empire, really. They, so. we have the, we have the luxury of them meeting uh, at the beginning and then not meeting up again until the end, except for Han, who's now right. out of the picture. So. But they, all, they knew each other. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it, that's where it all is right now. Yeah. It's where like, is the first order now that it's under Kylo Ren's control? Yeah. Is, is he able to. It, are people intimidated enough slash willing enough to follow him as a, as the new leader? And he doesn't have that wisdom that the leaders always have had before that there's nope. a emperor or a Snoke or a, a senior person that has probably been le- built up this uh, power and yeah. now understands how to control it. Kylo just wandered into it. You know, he's like yep. a guerrilla fighter. Hux like, could try to betray him as well. That could be right. a really interesting part of the story. I don't think also. that'd work. <laughs> I, it would be, it would be overly <laughs> complicated. Be challenging. But for the next trilogy. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me, Tyler. <laughs>